You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Yes, indeed. It is that time again, boys and girls. This is the Steve Day Show podcast here on Westwood One. And yes, I'm probably a Russian bot. Todd and Aaron are here standing by, though, just in case that is true. They are able to take over from here. And should I go, Das Vindanya, my friends. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We just wrapped up production for today's television show. Let's give the audience a little preview of what's to come, Todd. I learned uh, that uh, most uh, Planned Parenthoods should either have a a room, a waiting room, a, a diabolical utensil, something along those lines, hashtagged after President Donald Trump. Indeed. And I think I have a pretty legitimate reason why that's the case, don't you? I didn't see that coming. I was wondering where you're going. And once you finished Which, your thought, the it was, it's the most obvious thing you, one could conceive of. All I'm simply doing is what you're not supposed to do in this day and age, and that is to ask people to follow their own point consistently to its most logical conclusion. That's all. Aaron. We didn't talk about this super in-depth, but the second clip uh, clip that we used on fake fake news or not today is indicative of what I think is, is just something that we need to learn to accept. I don't want to because it's not a fun fun thing to accept, but um, most sects of the church in some form or fashion I think and I think it's just better to accept this not because it's right but because it's what it is most sects of the church have succumbed to the spirit of the age to some varying degree or in some form or fashion there is not going to be a perfect version of the church the side of heaven because uh we're humans and we screw things up. But this clip that we played today was, I think, perfectly indicative of that. Well, if you want to watch today's television show, here's how. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. Use my name to get you a discounted subscription today. That includes a free trial. So if you try it during the trial period and you decide, hey, this, this isn't for me, cancel before that ends and you won't be charged anything. If you decide to stick around, using my name will give you a discounted subscription, not just to our show on CRTV, but every single show from the great one, Mark Levin, to Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty, all the way down to other programming, otherwise known as us. So CRTV dot com promo code dace d-e-a-c-e all right let's get to it this is a game we play each and every week on the show uh on wednesdays specifically it's called buy seller hold our producer aaron every now and then with help from those of you in the audience particularly some dude named constantinus roditis who gets on here every single oh week he'll be reason. he'll be on again today yeah he has squatter rights on this segment yep. apparently so well done, Constantinus. That's some good guerrilla marketing right there. Mm-hmm. All right. So we take your propositions, 
And Todd and I have to decide, are we buying that or are we selling that? Hopefully, we have at least one not-so-lame reason why that may be the case. Now, once per show, we are permitted a hold. And you will be ruthlessly ridiculed should you exercise it unless the proposition is very effeminate and nonsensical. In that case, uh, you may pass and we will rip you uh, the propositioner instead. Fair enough? Because it's like you're ripping up your man card or your dude card. Or exactly. You gotta call, you gotta, unless the, the, the issue itself is gutless, effeminate, and lacks all meaning whatsoever, you're a dude, man. Make a decision. Make a call. This standard is so important to me that when you were gone and we played this game, I, I said at the outset, I, I will not take any holds because I just... No matter no how vapid or vapid yes, it is. Yes, I was just all in. I appreciate that. Yeah. Always best to err on the side of too much masculinity, according to the Duke Code. Always go too far with your maleness, and you can always dial it back, right? It's a little bit like playing the outfield. When the ball goes up in the air, what's the first thing they teach you to do? You go towards the ball, right? Okay? No, you, you outfield, back. you go, go back. back. You go back. I'm gonna... sorry. Yeah, you go back. Because you can always go. Yes, you, 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 can always dial, you, yeah, you can always go forward if you have to, all right? So, all right. You, you go, you err on the side of, of being too masculine for people to handle because you'd always just dial it down later, later on if you have to, right? Exactly. That's why I, I, I wear... I totally ruined that analogy, but we're just going to leave that in there anyway. And that's why I wear smug. And you wear it well. Thank you. Especially when you're wearing flannel in April, but it's... Because it's not... It's not spring. 30-ish so degrees. You're wise going to do that. to be spring again. No, it's the winter that will not end. We're a C.S. Lewis novel. It's that, the, Always that, winter, never summer. Yeah. Uh, it's that meme that go, that's going around. Uh, we're doing spring by faith and not by sight this year. <laughs> um, nice. We'll start with Jacob Arthur here. Nikki Haley is the new boss after hitting back at the White House for calling her confused and she will be the only appointment to remain in the administration for the full term. Do I have to accept that entire premise? I will let you split it up the, into two parts. All right, she's the, the first new, part. She's the new boss. First part, there's no doubt about it. I think people don't really understand the club she is swinging right now. Yeah. She's, she's untouchable. She has handled her business perfectly. If they were to fire her, and it, w- and it was not because of a scandal she caused, right? Some personal malfeasance. If they fired her because of a policy issue, if she would have the, the conservative blogosphere, um, she would have the level of support that Marco Rubio used to have within those factions quadrupled minimum. Minimum because it's Trump. Well, it's because also the way and, and the way that she has handled her business. Yeah. She has not backed down on anything. She has been a strong figure, a strong leader, and um, she doesn't have something that she absolutely destroyed the base on, like Rubio did with immigration. I, I mean, I, I I think she will uh, she will replace Rubio. As that faction's, and I think she already has, by the way, she has already replaced Rubio as that faction's proxy. And the fact that, you know, when Rubio went to Congress, he essentially tripped over his own phallus on the very first issue that he faced, which was immigration, and never recovered from it. The fact this woman has found her voice 
and made herself a stronger leader while working in the Trump administration, I think that takes her star power to an entirely new level. She has the Trump administration by the short hairs. They can't... Now, they can't touch her. I think, you know, you're always one tweet away in Trump world and he thinks, you know, he's invulnerable. But for the long haul, she is an, she is untouchable. She is the only one that will walk out of here, provided there's not a personal scandal. She's the only one that's going to walk out of here and with higher political value than she had coming in. And, and, and as to the second part, I, I think that... Um, I will sell. She will last four years simply because I think it's every bit as likely that her willingness to not cater could uh, could cause uh, Trump to uh, attempt to can her um, than it is that she will outlast Trump. I think that's really hard to forecast because when 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 we get to when the squeezing really begins. When Cohen goes to prison, when they're as they're looking through his files and just leaking stuff to the press, because that's really what the Mueller probe has become. Uh, and I know the Southern District of New York is handling the Cohen thing, but they're handling it at the referral of Mueller. So don't pee on me and tell me it's raining, okay? That's that's not quantum physics. That's a distinction without a difference, is what that is. Mueller is essentially overseeing that too. He doesn't refer that to the Southern District of New York. They're not taking a look at it. If there's one thing the Mueller probe has been, it's a leakocracy. Now, what's interesting about that is one of Mueller's people was quoted as saying this week, don't believe a lot of these leaks you're reading in the press. Almost as if to say, some, not nearly as many of these are coming from us as you think. I don't know. Not sure I necessarily buy that either. Okay? But... Um, as the noose around Trump tightens, I think he will get increasingly irrational, increasingly irascible. And I, I could see if we have another situation like what happened with Kudlow and Haley yesterday, where Kudlow has already gone full jock sniffer, bro. We talked about that last week, right? I mean, he's, he is in full jock sniffing mode. It's like, it's like Larry Kudlow never did a show on CNBC. He's like Katrina Pearson now, you know, uh, in thicker glasses. It's like all that stuff he said for 40 years never happened. He is in full Trump sniffer. He's full jock sniffer. And Haley's like, I'm never playing that game. And if Haley hasn't played it up until this point, there's no way she's going to play it later on when the noose really tightens around Trump. So I, I, at that point, I could see Trump firing her because it's Thursday and he's just tired of hearing it. Tired of the little lady over here in Trump's mind, the little lady over here uh, acting like she wears the pants in the family. I could see that happening every bit as much as I could see Nikki Haley outlasting Trump. Uh, to the latter point, I think the way you phrase it, she'll be the only one who's around, Aaron. Is that what you said? At the end of... For, for she survives. will be the only appointment to remain in the yeah. administration for the full term. Right. Uh, that, I'll, I'll sell on that. She'll, she'll be around, but there's going to be some stapler guy or guys or gals hanging around. Uh, on the former, yeah, she's the boss to such an extent uh, that just f- for the sake of argument, would Trump uh, decide not to run? Uh, if she decided uh, 
to get in for the race for 2020 with Mike Pence. I, I could see, I mean, Mike Pence wouldn't bow out within a month unless his heart just wasn't in it. Uh, but I, I could see the polling within a month of that announcement looking like um, Mike Pence is the next uh, Jeb Bush. All right. The if the NFL, this is from Todd Saffel. If the NFL is MSNBC, then the XFL is Fox, and the AAF is CNN. You know what the AAF is, Steve? We talked about this while you. Yeah, that's that one that um, Bill Polian is starting. Yeah. Okay. American Alliance of Football is CNN. I buy that. You go first on this one, Todd. Uh, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Is that good enough? I. Um. Sorry, Todd. I, I. I don't. I. Without the analogies, I don't care about this new football league. I, I, the NFL, with all its brokenness, I don't need another football league. I don't begrudge these guys trying. I actually hope they succeed in some ex, uh, to some extent, because perhaps that might wake the NFL up. But um, I just I don't need more of this. I'm still that kid who grew up. Playing uh, soccer. Playing, well, Thinking um, about baseball, soccer. many things. There's seasons for different sports. I, I'm not all year-round football guy, so I have a hard time caring, even without analogies, to networks that I don't care about. I, I certainly think there's time, there's there's place for more football. I, I don't think, again, starting it in February, I've said this with the XFL coming back, I, I would wait until after March Madness. You have a nice niche there. The USFL actually performed well back in the day, and that was its niche. Is it played, you know, in the in the spring and in the summer? And what happened with them is they expanded too quickly. Essentially, what happened with them is, you know, the classic story of too much success too fast, and then you tried to take a giant step with your net instead of the next step, right? And and then they, they tried to do what the original uh, AFL did to the NFL and take enough of a dent out of them that they might absorb some of your teams. And they, and they took them to court trying to force that action. They won their case and got only a dollar in damages. So I, I think there's a market for more football, particularly with what the NFL is doing to its own brand. I don't think there's a market for two football leagues like this. When I see this... And I hope I'm wrong, but if we're going to make a political analogy, so I'm going to sell on the question because I have no idea, all right? But this sounds to me like what I've seen happen in numerous primaries I've been involved in. Yep. You have the establishment incumbent. That's the NFL. And it's betrayed other no no enterprise in modern American history other than the Republican Party has worked harder to alienate its core base of support than the National Football League has. So they're your establishment incumbent. You have the principled, meaning meaning principled in that the true zealous believer in the original doctrine. You know what I'm trying to say? We may not follow this person all, all around, have no idea how they're living their personal life, but they're the, they're the zealot. The zealot for the principle of the cause that the cause centers around. They jump in the primary right away. 
establishment is like, you know, there's no way we're going to beat, we're going to lose this 50-50. We need another candidate to get in this race and split the anti-establishment vote. I have seen this happen. I can't tell you how many times. One of the secret sauces of Dave Bratt's victory over Eric Cantor in 2014 is there was another conservative candidate in the race whose name escapes me. Great guy who was willing to get out of the race when he saw Bratt gaining traction and be a gentleman and say, my own ego aside, the issues are more important than my ego. And he got out of the race in the summer or in the, in the wintertime and endorsed Bratt to try and unify the grassroots around one candidate. But, but I've seen this flood the zone strategy numerous times in these primaries. This Bill Polian League coming out of nowhere. We heard mm-hmm. nothing about this league. Yep. And then all of a sudden they're going to play next year? Yep. This, and, and, and this time, you know, you have McMahon comes back and he plays this one smart. He doesn't offer any innovations, any specifications. He's a, he, say what you want about Vince McMahon. Dude is no dummy. He, has, he learns from his mistakes. And so this time he doesn't offer a bunch of... The, the, the announcement of the new XFL, it's him in front of a camera on a set. It's very sober. Not a lot of fanfare. There's no, they're not promising strippers and innovations like we got 15 years ago. And, and, it, and it essentially says, and we're going to stand for the anthem. <laughs> All right? That's it. And, and, and oh, by the way, I, sold a, I liquidated $100 million of my own stock in my company the WWE, that I'm going to invest in the XFL. That's some serious starter cash, folks. That is some serious starter cash. There's not a lot of people that want to invest in the XFL as a standalone entity. There's a lot more people who would invest in the XFL if its starter cash is $100 million. Now there's all kinds of money people who... You can only there's only 32 NFL teams, guys. There's more than 32 billionaires. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody gets to have a professional football team. Now the list of people are like, yeah, I'll throw you 10, 15, 20 million because you've already got 100 million of your own money skin in the game. You're not coming to me and asking me to carry the whole freight of this. You put your own skin in the game. I'm more willing now to I'll throw you a shekel or two. That's some serious cashish. And then all of a sudden, here's this whole other league with former NFL personnel people running mm-hmm. it. Come on, man. This is the classic flood the zone in the primary strategy. I've seen this a million times. And 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 they're able to get it, they're able to start a year before the XFL is willing to start. Come on. This is clearly an attempt by the NFL to head Vince McMahon off at the pass. I, if I can interject, I totally agree with that. That's part of the analysis that I tried to give last week. The reason I said that this was not going to succeed is that uh, they don't have an, they don't have a USB. They don't have a unique selling proposition. The XFL's unique selling proposition is America, mm-hmm. and I think the XFL also probably has a little bit of an advantage now starting late because they'll have an entire season year to learn from the AAF's mistakes. Now, of course, we're giving this analysis, and this you know the first first game doesn't kick off for more than a, a year for the AAF, and so we're just essentially well, I'm just pulling this out of my butt. 
but uh, that's 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 where I would still say I'll hold your horses on this flooding the uh, what your term was flooding f- flooding the um, the the zone with another opponent. I, I think that is probably what the NFL is trying to do, but I'm not totally sure that it'll be uh, successful quite yet. Todd. Dare to answer yeah. first. Oh, yeah, that's I right. Sold. That's right. I took so long you forgot. Yeah. Where are we again? Uh, let's see. North Korea. This is from Rock. North Korea is in peace talks to lower the West's guard and invade South Korea. That is a hot, hot take right there. Sell. Why are you going to sell? Because I, this guy is a guy who is handed a kingdom by his crazy dad and he's crazy too and sure he's crazy enough to kill his own brother within that little hot house but so far you're making the case against yourself continue go ahead but uh, again what outside of those borders for how long now this has been going on for what uh, 70 years they're not they just they like the saber rattling they get their food Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it but no. I'm not I'm not saying I disagree with your opinion. I don't know how you get to that opinion from where you started. I don't know how you begin by noting everything contrarian, everything outs- all all of the norms the guy in charge of North Korea has already violated to get to where he's at. Not to mention the the violations of norms he inherited from his crazy father. And then come to the conclusion but, you know, in the end, he's just, uh, this is, uh, you know, we've seen this before, and it's the same game we've always seen. I, I don't, how do you start where you started and end up where you're at? None That's of the those part norms invaded, by. none of those n- invaded South Korea. Well, suddenly now, they, they've, he's just a frat boy with all kinds of money. I could turn this around and say, suddenly now, we're going to, they're, they're officially going to end the war from a ceasefire in 1953. Why suddenly now? Hmm? Why, I, why suddenly now? What? I could turn this around the other way. You tell me He's, then. How would you answer that? Why suddenly now? For for re- the reasons they always do these things to get food, aid, whatever. I don't. This seems like the same. And why wouldn't he? Have, if, if that if that's what it was, he had the ultimate leverage during the Olympics when he had the media literally touting his sex slaves as models from The Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. right? And he totally bypassed that. I mean, if this, was a, if this was about leverage, this would be, that would have been the greatest moment of leverage on the global stage you can produce as the Olympics. Which, by the way, the president said today would not nearly have been good, as, as good if it weren't for him. I have no idea what he did. Do you know what he did for the Olympics? Do you know? He existed. That, that, that's right. Nothing would be as good I, I don't if know. it weren't for Trump. Let's it, just be honest. It's it's really weird, this this whole thing is, because I would agree with Todd, and that's the exact same thing that I've said before. We've been through this cycle over and over and over again, but I thought that was kind of... Um, I, I thought we were leading up to something during the Olympics as it pertained to North Korea, and that something really didn't happen, aside from the media fawning over his sister, uh, uh, over uh, Kim's sister. It seems like maybe there's something that we don't know about that's happened with North Korea. There is clearly... See, here's the here's the opinion I don't believe you can have. You cannot say this is the same thing we've always seen, because it is not. We just ended... They just ended a war that's been in a state of detente since 1953. We Our, our, our head of the CIA 
turned Secretary of State has gone face to face with the head of North Korea. It's not the same thing we've seen before. I don't. There's no way you can have that opinion because we've already changed the paradigm. What we don't know is what the paradigm is changing to. This guy's either Mikhail Gorbachev or he's Nikol, or he's or he's um, he is uh, Nikolai Carpathia. It's one or the other. This is not just going to continue as it always has. No, we've already changed the paradigm. Paradigm's already changed. We've had face-to-face talks. The president's going to meet with them. They've already had a. They've already. They've already officially ended the war over the Korean Peninsula. The paradigm's already you're, different. You're ignoring Occam's razor. That both of those are way more. I complex. just acknowledged Occam's razor. No, the the mo- paradigm's already changed. No, the, the most obvious thing is this is a frat. But he he wants to meet Donald Trump, but he. I really. It's way more obvious that he's neither of those things, and he's just a, a guy right in the gravy chain and. Now I think you, I think your argument's weak, so I'm going to buy just to take the counter. I think he's a, he's either Gorbachev, and this is this some sort of perestroika is about to happen because of what you just said, because they they can't sustain this anymore, and he's from a different generation, and he's like we already went to the well with the West once before the European Union's broke. I mean they're broke, countries are pulling out of the union. I mean, they can't, they can't, yeah, riots in Greece. The European Union's broke. The United States is begging for, is arguing with itself whether to pull out of the Middle East or not. They're broke. The guy who did what he just did at the Olympics is Gorbachev. That dog and pony show. Possibly. Don't you put on a different dog and pony show? We had a dog and pony show at Reykjavik from uh, Gorbachev too. And the media sided with him just as it sided with uh, Un at, at the Olympics. And Reagan called his bluff, you know, and then a year later, we had an actual real peace treaty, the first true nuclear disarmament of the Cold War era, other than the original salt, maybe. I, I, either, the, either he's some form of Gorbachev and recognizes that um, he, they, this is not a sustainable model, or this is one hell of a plot to disarm people in order to catch them with their guard down. I don't think this is the same old, same old. Because here's the thing. When they run out of food and money the next time, he has no more cards to play. They've already ended the war. He's already met with the president. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is, there's, there, you, you, you can't go back to this place again. There, there's no other oh, leverage points. The United Nations will always go back to that place. What money yeah. does the United Nations have? What money are they going to Ours. Pay? And we nah, give it to them over and over again? No, nah, I don't think so. I, I think I think th- I think the paradigm has already changed. I think what we don't know is what it will, what it's changing to. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna buy just because I don't like the reasoning of Todd's point. Even though I I might actually agree with this conclusion, I just don't like because I think you're, I think the conclusion you're drawing is every bit of a chance as this is one hell of a ploy to get people to get their guards down. But I I don't like the r- rationale. It's clearly not business as usual. All right, Scott Sweatman says, if the GOP wins the House in November, they'll still start impeachment proceedings for POTUS, real Donald Trump, because they're running out of meaningful ways to, de- to betray their constituents. I'll buy that, just because I like the end. They're running out of meaningful ways to betray their constituents. Well, there's nothing stopping an impeachment from happening right now. Nope. Just a matter of whether you have the votes or not. Okay, so I I could buy that because if the Republicans were to hold the House, there is no question they are going to lose seats. 
That's not even a debatable point. It's not even debatable. You have all these retirements. The average swing in all these special elections from the last election to this one is 20 points. If the trends were the other way around, there isn't anybody on our side who works for our site who would have any other analysis other than that there's a red wave coming. We wouldn't. So let's just keep it real and be honest about that. Now, do I agree with Todd's general point, whoever's dumbest last loses? Yes. Could something stupid unforeseen occur that would mitigate the size of that wave? Yes, because the one thing we need to keep in mind is though there are more retirements now than there even were for Democrats when they saw the wave coming in 94, the, the map is more polarized than it was you know, we, we have more gerrymandering than we had in 1994. There aren't, in other words, there aren't as many swing districts. And I, with, with that polarized map, you won't have a race like George Nethercutt beating the, sec- the Speaker of the House, Tom Foley. I don't believe, barring an act of God, that kind of election is possible in this environment because of how polarized the, the electorate is and how much gerrymandering there is. You see what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. There, so many Republican and Democratic incumbents on both sides are protected by gerrymandering. There's just not as many swing seats. The Republicans are going to lose seats. Yes. Whether it's five, yes. whether it's 45, that we don't know. But let's say, what's their, what is the margin now? I can't even remember. Is it 25 I or something? Is there an, I can't remember. Let's say they retain <laughs> control. <care. laughs> yeah. Well, the, the best answer is, well, Steve, if you watch the way they do business, what's a majority? Yeah. Yeah. That's the best answer. What's this majority you speak of, Mr. Dace? All right. Let's say, because uh, I know they lost a few seats in 2016, just a couple. Let's say the current, they hold, they retain the House. The current, but the current majority is shelved in half. I could, I could see a vote on the floor, depending on who the speaker is. Jim Jordan, had, Jim Jordan should run for speaker. Uh, the House Freedom Caucus, if Republicans retain the uh, majority next year, has to run a candidate for speaker, I think, just to be seen as a legitimate entity, just to have their voice heard in the process. They, if they can't come up with a candidate for speaker, then there's no point in even having a House Freedom Caucus. You're not really a challenge on any level. You're just there to collect sound bites for conservative media people uh, and and build a brand. You're, you're not effectual right. on any level whatsoever. Yeah. All right. But even if they run that kind of candidate, he's not winning. Uh, you know. So if you have, I I could see, yeah, I could see enough Republicans crossing over at that point. I mean, we've, we've got Republicans trying to work with Democrats right now to pass legislation to protect Mueller in the U.S. Senate. So, in the, yeah, I'll buy that. I, I'm sorry to take so long. I needed to work the math out in my head rather than just react to this, okay? Um, I, I, I'm going to buy that. I, I don't think it's nearly as likely, obviously, if the Democrats are in charge, but it's not totally eliminated either. So I'll buy it, sure. All right. We're going to do something now that I hope will be very fun. Uh, the rules, what we're, what we're going to play is a game that is a, a direct ripoff of something that um, a, a local sports show did here in Des Moines a few nights ago that I thought was just brilliant and hilarious. Uh, we're going to play a game called NBA Coach or U.S. Representative, mm. where I, uh, I will throw out a title and a name, and if you buy... That means that the title and the name are accurate. 
or if you sell, you, uh, you, you're saying that, no, that's not accurate, that's not right. So I'll say something like, uh, I don't know, Minnesota Timberwolves coach Al Franken. You'd obviously sell Sam. that. Yeah, yeah but he's a senator. He's a senator. Or he but was. He, yeah, senator. Yeah. But you get the gist. Uh, it's going to be a lot harder than that, I, I hope, for all of these. So we'll uh, we'll go ahead and get Man, started. The, Any there questions? was a time in my life I could name every NBA yep. coach. You I don't know that nope. I could name five right now. Nope. That's the point. Okay. Uh, so if I see you on your computers, I'm immediately disqualified. All right. You. I, you know me. I've got a multitask. Okay. So I'll, I'll turn my iPad okay. around. Thank you. All right. Thank just you. to keep it real. Thank okay. you. All right. We're ready to go? Yes. Go. Okay. Illinois Representative Scott Brooks. Buy, buying that you that buying that uh, that is actually a real person. Sell. I think Scott Brooks is an NBA coach, isn't he? Didn't he used to coach the Oklahoma City Thunder when they had uh, um, Russell Westbrook and uh, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant? So I, I'm going to sell. I think that okay. is an NBA coach. Scott Brooks is the coach of the Washington Wizards. Now, okay. Yeah. Uh, California yeah. Representative Ed Royce. Phew. Well, it didn't take long. <laughs> you know, what's funny about this, too, is NBA ratings are actually soaring right now. Um, you bought? I bought. Okay, I'll sell just because I'll take the other side. Uh, California representative Ed Royce is actually a California representative. So I won that one? Yep. Uh, right, no, so no, no, Todd, 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 Todd okay. won that one. All right, Florida representative Dwayne Casey. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. So if we're, if we're selling, they're not an NBA coach. If you're selling, yeah. uh, no, Florida representative Dwayne Casey, if you're selling, you think that they are an NBA coach. I'm going to sell. I think that's an NBA coach. Okay. And you're buying? I bought, it, yeah. All right. Dwayne Casey is the head coach of the Toronto ah, Raptors. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. How about that? They had the number one record in the Eastern Conference. I had no idea who yeah. their coach was. <laughs> I know. Uh, Indiana representative Nate McMillan. Oh, oh, I know that. A, yeah, he yeah, played when we were kids, so Seattle I know that. Supersonics. Yeah. yeah, so I'm selling on selling. that. Yeah, he's the Indiana Pacers head coach. Okay, I didn't know he was coaching the Pacers now. Yeah, but I remember <laughs> when he played for the Supersonics. Yeah, Alabama representative Gary Palmer. Uh, I'm going to buy just because I know he ranks very high on our Liberty score. So oh. I'm buying on that one. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's true. Uh, Brooklyn Nets coach Ro Khanna. Ro Khanna. Is that a Muslim holiday? <laughs> I'll sell. I think that's a congressperson. I don't even know what gender that is. No, if you're, then you buy. You buy if you think it's a congressperson. Uh, no, no, no. Brooklyn I, Nets coach. Ro oh, because he framed it the, yeah. Yeah. the Nets way. So okay. selling. Um, I'll buy that that's the name of a coach. Yeah, Rokana is California's 17th district representative. Stop, stop explaining the rules to me that you clearly don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I clearly don't understand, indeed. I'm, I'm like conservative media talking about why Gorsuch's opinion screwing us. Somehow, Neil Gorsuch and Cla- Clarence Thomas has been 100% on everything we've cared about for 25 years. But because Neil Gorsuch went against him yesterday, suddenly Clarence Thomas, yeah. moron. Yes. <laughs> Uh, a few more of these. Memphis Grizzlies coach Brad Sherman. Uh, is that the guy from Butler that went on to coach no. the Celtics? Oh, he's still at the Celtics. Oh, it's Brad Stevens. Stevens. Um, I'll sell. That's I'm going to sell. I think it's a congressman. Uh, it is. It's California District 30. 
30th Congressional District. And I love how these are always California, Mm because they're almost all Democrats, so we're not going to know like any of them. (laughs) That's very tricky. I like that. Okay. Uh, Portland Trail Blazers coach Terry Stotts. Last Portland Trail Blazers coach I remember is Rick Adelman. That's how long ago that was. I'll buy. Uh, I'll sell to go the other way. Uh, Portland Trail Blazers coach is Terry Stotts. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Delaware Representative Alvin Gentry. That's oh, a, that's a sell. I remember yeah. Alvin Gentry. He even sell. played for my Pistons for a while. Yeah. So okay. sell. Yep. Yeah. He's a coach for the New Orleans Pelicans. All right. Last one. This is Oklahoma Thunder head coach Billy Long. Sell. Sell. So Billy Donahue's the coach, Donovan. right? Or Donovan. Yeah. yeah. So I'll sell too. Yeah. Dang, I thought this was going to be more challenging. You guys, I got several know. wrong though. Yeah. Uh, Missouri, no, he's uh, Billy Long is the representative for Missouri's seventh congressional district. I thought that was a fun game they played the other night. Well, my my I, my guessing was I should have taken. No, it to you Vegas. were looking at my face as I always smile. I think you were trying to. No, read no, no, me. I didn't read I anything. Yeah, I but no. I just had some <laughs> yeah. good clean guesses. The though. biggest difference for me is as I get older, I just don't have the time to care about uh, everyday sports like the Wings, the Tigers, and the Pistons unless the team is good, you know. And then I'll watch in the playoffs. Like I've watched a couple NBA playoff games already. But during the regular season, there's just too many games that the team's not good enough time. But the coaches aren't as transcendent as they used to be. You know, I mean, there used to be seven, eight, nine really good coaches in the NBA. And then a few others that, if they had the right team, could be good coaches. There's really not that many transcendent coaches nowadays. Right? Agreed. There's just not. I'm just, I was never a big NBA guy. I, I still. And we, we not in the old about days of the, the the Milwaukee Bucks with Buck Williams and no, uh, Don Moncrief and uh, no, yeah, Sydney Moncrief, Paul Presley, Presley. I just remember, I knew this. Can't remember how much of that team, those teams. I remember. I knew the starting lineup and the utility players, like every every team in Major League Baseball back when we were. I mean, you could just tell me what's the lineup for whoever. It, it was just locked in my brain. It's remarkable that how and I now I've. If you ask me to, I mean, I've been keeping track of the Brewers, but I, I'm not sure I could. I'd have to think a little bit. By the time we get to July every year, I can do that with college football. I, I, some of our listeners may know I, I do a sports podcast with an old friend of mine, John Miller, and uh, that you can subscribe to. And we do two a week. And uh, one is from his website, Hawkeye Nation, and the other one is t- covering uh, Big Ten. We call it Bigger Ten. And when we, when we get to the summertime and all the over-unders for the teams and stuff come out, and we'll go through whether I'm taking their over/under on their win totals, and I'll start talking about their teams and 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 their units and what I do and don't like. And one year he thought he's gonna get cocky, and that I really didn't know as much as I thought. And so he just started grabbing like random Power Five major conference teams, and like who, name me two guys that start in their secondary at North Carolina. And I was just I was freaking Rain Man, dude. I was just rolling it. <laughs> I believe right? it. So by the time we get to like August. Like you used to be with Major League Baseball starting lineups. Like I can still name the entire 84 starting lineup for the Tigers. I can still name the whole. uh, Lou Whitaker, leadoff at second base. Alan Trammell batted second, played short. Kirk Gibson batted third. Right field, Lance Parrish was fourth and the catcher. Batting fifth was Daryl Evans, the DH. Uh, Batting sixth was Chet Lemon, the center fielder. Batting seventh was Larry Herndon, who was the the left fielder. Batting eighth was Dave Bergman, who was the first baseman. Mm -hmm. And batting ninth was Howard Johnson before he got huge with the Mets. He was a rookie that really? year, I believe. He was our wow. third base, starting third baseman. I forgot that, and I would have not gotten whoever you said in the eight hole. I would have gotten all the other seven players at least that 
their positions and who by without necessarily getting the line. But the, I mean, that's when eighty four. I, I the eighty six Tigers were the first infield in Major League history that all five starters hit 20 or more home runs. Hmm. So Darrell Evans was switched to first base that year. He led the American League in home runs. Uh, You had Lou Whitaker still at second. You had Alan Trammell at short. Darnell Coles was the third baseman. Darnell Coles, I remember him. And then you still had, um, that was, I think, Lance Parrish's last year before he went to the Phillies uh, as a free agent. Remember that summer well. It seemed great. Team of Destiny. In baseball, but that was that was one of them. They, there was a Chicago Bears esque quality to that whole season. You're talking about the '84 Tigers, yeah. Yeah, you started nine and 21 and four, thirty five and five. Look at you. Wow. Won nineteen straight road games. That team did. That was an American League record at the time. What was their after Jack Morris? What was their pitching staff? Jack Petrie? Morris was your number one starter. Petrie? Dan Petrie is number two. Sure. Milt Wilcox was number Milt three. Wilcox. Dave Rosema from Jenison, Michigan, not far from where I grew up, was number four. And a rookie starter who would go on to have a pretty nice career with the Minnesota Twins was our five starter, Juan Berenguer, was our number five starter. Really? And our bullpen that year, which was dynamite. Bill Scherer was the left-hander. Uh, and then we had the, the two-fisted attack with Aurelio Lopez, Senor Smoke. Yes. Oh, and yes. Willie Don't Call Me Guillermo Hernandez, sure, who sure. won the MVP in the Cy Young that year. How impressed are you right now? I'm uh, really impressed. I was a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan up until Albert Pujols left. And I, I used to be able to, you know, quote their roster up and down and quote their stats and everything. But... Fact, you know, you that was, that the, was only like five years ago. Like you should mention like, the Cardinals. I don't know, 50 I, I can, years ago. I, I, I can, off the top of my head, recall the 87 World Series with the Twins and the Cardinals. Sure. All right. And Joe McGrain, Frank Viola, two lefty starters in Game 7, was the first time the Minnesota, Vi- or Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Twins, were the first team ever to win a World Series without winning one road game. And it went seven games, and you had two lefties. You had Joe McGrain versus Frank Viola in the final at the old Metrodome. I can, I can tell you more people that played in that game, from Dan Gladden to Kirby Puckett to Kent Herbeck, and I didn't even root for either of those two teams growing up. If you were to ask me, Steve, who won the 2013 World Series? Yeah. I got to Google it, man. Yeah, that's the age I'm at right now. That that's happened where, somewhere. That, that, I, it will happen to you too, Aaron. I promise. Yeah, I'm like it was David X. Scott Rowland. That was the one I was okay. So it was David Eckstein who choked up high on the bat. Yeah, who let, let off. It was somebody Kennedy who played second base. I think, unless I'm Ian flight. Kennedy. Ian Kennedy. Yeah. Was it Ian Kennedy? Yep. Okay, uh, and then it was Albert Pujols, of course. And then batting cleanup, it was Scott Rowland. Uh, so that's four, five. Batting fifth, it would have been somebody. It would have been, I can't even remember, the outfielder. Sixth, another outfielder. Seventh, another outfielder. Eighth, I think they, yeah, I think they put the pitcher in the eighth spot so that Yadier Molina could bat ninth and then roll over the top of the lineup so Albert Pujols could clean up. That sounds like a Tony La Russa move. Yeah. So how many of those guys are Hall of Famers? Trammell got in. Trammell's not in yet. Didn't he just or, get did, in? No, the Veterans Committee yeah, just put him just in. Put him in right. Yeah, More, did them, I don't think the Vets Committee's put Morris in yet, have they? I don't think so. To me, I think, and, and Trammell deserves to be in. I think Morris has a better case, even. I mean, you're talking about one of the best postseason records oh. of all time. To me, yeah. Jack Morris is very similar to the case that Kurt Schilling has. Although I think maybe Schilling's case is a little bit stronger. But great postseason pitcher, yeah. winningest pitcher for a decade. You know, and so to me, if you're the winningest pitcher of oh, a decade, yeah. you ought to be in I the mean, Hall of Fame, don't you without, think? 
Yeah, without wait, just the, those kind of stats that I can recall without doing a comparison. I mean, he's just the smell test. You say Jack Morris, Hall of Famer. Yeah, Whitaker hasn't gotten in yet. Um, Gibson, no. And what happened is Gibson, Parrish left before the 87 season in free agency to the Phillies. And his career tanked in the National League. He should have stayed. I think the career, Lance Parrish was on a Hall of Fame trajectory, particularly numbers offensively. I mean, he was putting up routinely 30 home runs and 100 RBIs at catcher, which just yeah. didn't happen a lot in that era. He should have stayed. And then his career tanked when he went to the Phillies. And then the next year, before the 88 season, Kurt Gibson yeah. went to the free agency to the Dodgers. And then ultimately, his career may have been on a Hall of Fame trajectory. He had had, you know, now we talk in the about 40 40 seasons. Back then, it was huge if you had 20 20 seasons. And he had a couple of those in a row for the Tigers 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. And then ultimately, injuries wrecked his career once he got to the Dodgers. Um, Darrell Evans never made the Hall of Fame. Willie Hernandez, that was like his one great year. He was okay in 85, mm-hmm. but by the time we got to 1986, he was done. You know, so that team, it's interesting the city of Detroit's history with championships because you go back, probably the last NBA team you can think of that won a championship that you don't know for sure had a Hall of Famer in the starting lineup was the 04 Pistons. And they had, you know, in, sure. in 03, 04, 05, ben, and 06. What's his name at center? Um, yeah, you had uh, um, Rasheed Wallace and Richard right, Hamilton. Right. They had, if this, was a, if, it, if this was a team, it was five All-Stars was their starting lineup. So they didn't have a weakness in their starting lineup. Mm-hmm. But all none of those guys were like MVP, Hall of Fame right. kind of players. Right. Um, same thing with the Tigers. That 84 team, I mean, Trammell eventually got in. I think Morris will eventually get in. And there will be a couple, but even though they had a season like Sparky's Big Red Machines or the Yankees and of the 70s or the late 90s under George, Joe, Joe Torrey, they didn't have. At the end, what happened is a lot of guys that came up through the farm system all got good at the exact right time. And they had captured it in one perfect season. And then they could never really recapture it again. They did make the playoffs again in 87, um, that was the year they beat the Blue Jays on the last game of the day of the regular season. Don't remember that. Frank Tanana versus Jimmy Key. Last Sunday of the year, they were tied for first place, and it was a one nothing game, and the Tigers just could never beat Jimmy Key, and they beat him that day. Frank Tanana threw a shutout, and the only hit Jimmy Key gave up was a home run by Larry Herndon. That was the only run of the game, and the Tigers won it on the last game day of the season and they got so spent the next week the twins really blew them out of the ALCS but that team was a lot different than the 84 team Frank Tanana Walt Terrell were starting pitchers on that team they weren't even on the roster in 84 the lineup was was different uh in 87 too it was actually much better uh that that lineup I think set the American League record for runs scored in a season at that time oh wow I, and I have no idea why I'm doing all of this. This is this point where my wife looks at me and says, if I didn't have your children, I'd swear you were still a virgin. That's how this... T- you get me started on this stuff, and that's what happens. Well, and I so, know I'm impressing nobody other than myself, but in case you haven't figured this out by now, half of the enough. reason I do this is to impress myself, actually. <laughs> all right, final thoughts, gentlemen. Todd, go. Oh, final thoughts. Um, the end... I have... I know nothing about the NBA, um, yet I still would have won a lot of money in Vegas if we had just 
put some money on that game we just uh, played. Uh, and what did we start off talking about on this show before? But what was the main buy sell hold theme? North Korea. Yeah. Uh, North Korea. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, that's a, that's a pretty sizable disagreement. You're so dazzled with my knowledge uh, yeah, of minutiae, you forgot the whole yeah, podcast. I know. He's a uh, uh, Kim Jong Un, just just a frat boy. Let's not go crazy thinking he's anything but that. What do you think, Aaron? Um, it was Adam Kennedy, second baseman. Oh, oh that's right. Ian Kennedy. Play, you know why I went with he's Ian Kennedy? He's current player. He yeah. played for my Tigers at first. Is he I'm like, back? I'm looking it up all, all these. Back. Yeah. I'm looking up all these guys. Memories of listening to the radio late at night uh, in the summertime. You guys but should have never these, beaten us in that 06 all World of Series. These, yeah, that was ridiculous. We were a lot better yeah. team. All of these guys are now like retired, except for Pools, and I'm not even sure if he's still. We don't know how old he is. Do yeah. we know? Do we know you, how old he is yet? No, your whole team forgot. He might be 50. Your whole team forgot how to play infield defense. Was, Do you well, remember it, that? It all there goes to that throwing... game one error by Justin Verlander, right? But that that Cardinals team was not good. I think that's no. the. I think them and the '87 Twins have the record for fewest wins in the regular season yeah. to win uh, the World Series. Both of you guys won like 85, 86 games. That was not a great St. Louis Cardinals team. Because no? that was a Friday night that they won the uh, that they won the World Series. The Cardinals won the World Series because I was on the bus coming home from a fo- uh, football game. Somebody was like, "Hey, the Cardinals won." I remember that. Remember that very well. That's all I got. All right. Well, don't forget, CRTV.com, promo code DACE if you want to watch the television show today. And hey, if you have yet to hit subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Podbay, please do that. The more of you that do that, the more people that see that and then they subscribe too. Leave us a positive review if you have time to do that as well uh, on your uh, device that you use or platform you use to stream this every single day. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you. 